Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Ksenia Abdulova, and in this episode, me and my fiancé, Eric Brief, we talk about our decision to go nomadic. Next week, November 1st, 2019, we are going to leave New York and leave our tiny cab and lock everything up and go and travel for about six months starting in Argentina. So in this episode, I brought in Eric and we had a conversation about how we set up our businesses and our lives in a way where we can make the decision to go and travel for such a long time from a financial standpoint, from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Standpoint. (laughs) This is Eric. And we also are going to chat about the things we're bringing, what scares us or not scares us about going nomadic, and about the process of content creation, rituals as entrepreneur, if we're bringing any crystals, and some other fun things. You know what? You just got like sneak preview, guys. I think one of the reasons why I'm not worried about going nomadic is because I know that like the things that I think about are like the opposite of what you think about. So together, we pretty much thought of almost everything. Mm. And that is what's so great about having an awesome partner like you. I'm glad you're my nomadic buddy. Yeah, because we need, you know, chargers. And I think of chargers (laughs) and you think of toothbrushes. Right. So this is a sneak peek into what the show is about. Chargers and toothbrushes. That's the name of the episode. All right, done. Not really. So (laughs) whether you are a nomad, you're planning to go nomadic, or you're not planning to, really the message of this week's episode is all about following your adventurous heart and trusting the divine guidance and using the internet to create the lifestyle that makes you feel free, inspired, and connected. Enjoy and If you enjoy the show, I'd love to see you take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and share it on your Instagram stories and make sure you tag at Woken Wired. I love seeing them. I love reposting them. I love seeing your takeaways. And if you have not already, please go and leave a rating and a review to the Woken Wired show in the iTunes podcasts app. Last week, I got a review that almost made me cry. I really take them to heart and really appreciate your time. Does that mean that the tear was on the precipice of falling out of your eye? No, it was more like an internal cry. It was a happy, it was almost a happy cry. Yeah, you were felling with nachos. I actually had this crazy realization. I found out that you could make money through the internet. Welcome to the Woken Wired podcast. Enjoy this episode. This episode is all about us going nomadic. After sharing on Breakfast Criminals that we are going to travel for about six months, more or less, I got a lot of questions. So I have those questions in front of me and we're going to answer them. We're going to start there and then see where the conversation goes. Maybe share some things that we're packing with us as we're going on this long journey. How does that sound? Sounds good. I want to answer that question in the top left corner. It's, a, it's probably the best question. Well, I've only read one question, so right. you know it's not fair. Hippie D sixteen says, "Why are you going nomadic when you just moved to that cute cabin?" It's a great question, isn't it? And by the way, if you don't know what we're talking about, a few months ago, five months ago, we pulled the trigger and bought a tiny cabin in upstate New York in the Catskill Mountains, and left Brooklyn to live full time in the forest in a town of 108 people. And we shared this whole journey in episode 56. It was exactly, by the way, five months ago, five months in like three days. So if you want to hear more about how that happened, how we found the house, why we did it, it's in episode 56. But the short story is that about nine months ago, I was thinking about our lease and how it was set to renew in the spring. And I just said, let's not renew the lease. And I had this vision of being adventurous and just 
following my heart and following my intuition and creating opportunities and possibilities out of going with the flow of the divine guidance. And I had no idea what was in store for us. And as soon as we co-created that opening, what was created was the house and now this travel journey because do you want to take over and tell why we're not staying in the cabin for the winter? Oh yeah, totally. I was just going to say that when you said that to me, like, let's not renew our lease. I, I didn't skip a beat. I was like, yeah, let's not renew the lease because, you know, frankly, we're just too comfortable. And we were just, you know, I know I say it sounds like I'm saying that sarcastically, but I'm really not. Now that I look back on it, I thought about our old apartment, which by the way, would be a great apartment. Like if we, if I saw it, I'd be like, wow, that apartment's great. It just never felt quite like what this cabin feels like for us. It really doesn't. It doesn't, it, it felt like someone else's great apartment. And it, but I loved it. I'm so lucky we lived there for whatever, 18 months that we lived, 19 months, I think. But I'm so much happier in this cabin than I was there when it comes to like deep soul fulfillment and connection to nature. Now, the thing about nature is it's rough sometimes. It's rough. And this winter, I'm told that it gets very cold here. Now, I'm from New York City, but even though this is like two hours away from New York City, it's like night and day difference in temperatures. And even from a place that's just 20 minutes away, like, you know, uh, Calicoon, it's actually like five degrees colder just where we live because we live up on the what they call the mountain here. So we have electric heat and we don't have a generator right now. And the people who own the cabin before us, they never lived here in the winter. So the house isn't really like super winterized, although it definitely could be with not too much effort. So we're thinking, hey, you know, it's been a huge adjustment for us to move here. In the last four months, we've made a number of, uh, you know, good investments monetarily and time-wise, you know, mostly. And we're thinking, wow. Like buying a driveway? Yeah, buying a driveway was the most expensive thing that we did. But The things you start buying when you turn 30? You know, we bought, yeah, sure, we got the driveway, but it was also like building the garden, buying that great weed whacker. Learning the difference between brush hogging versus mowing your lawn. Sure. Oh, oh yeah. How much money did we spend on that kind of thing? Like at least $1,000. Forget about the money piece. Just the adjustment of, of living here in the winter, I'm told, is huge. Like Our driveway is pretty steep. There's all this snow. We only have one car. We just learned and done so many things. And also our cabin, it's tiny and it's charming. But I got to tell you right now, it is just not set up for winter. When I open the door up and it's like 40 degrees, she's like, ah, it's freezing in here. Like it gets cold. No, of course not. You're not like the Wicked Witch of the West. But when the door opens, no matter how warm it is, like that cold breeze feels like you're outside. So we need to get our, we need to build a bedroom where my office is. We need to build like an interstitial space or a mud room outside. We need, there's a couple of things that I really want to do to our cabin that will make it inhabitable for next winter, at least enough so that we will keep it open the entire winter, even if we go away again. So the answer to this question is between how, what it's going to take economically and energetically and time in order to fix the cabin up for winter. We're thinking, hey, why don't we just leave that for next season? We'll take that on next year. And this year, let's take this opportunity to go traveling and do some really cool things that we might not normally have done because it would literally be impossible for us to travel to any country, even if it was an extremely low cost of living, which Buenos Aires is, because our rent is so high. It would be so high. And I mean, nothing is impossible. It would just be a choice. It's close to impossible, I think. I I? think you did, but not like like impossible. impossible. It would feel like not a smart use of our money. Yeah, I think it would feel like the word guilty comes up. I think it would just, it would feel wasteful. And it almost be like we could be, it would be a misinvestment. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. what it would feel like. Yeah, misinvestment. And probably one of the best things about living in this tiny cabin is we've gotten rid of so much stuff. Oh my God, I've got rid of almost everything. Even those things that you hold on, out of, like I've held on to out of nostalgia, I got rid of all of those things. Starting with your art to clothes, I got rid of so many kitchen supplies. I've been giving away superfoods by the boxes to people. And we only kept dishes that we love. And 
it has felt really incredible to create that space. Once you let go of that physical weight, it something opens up. And I got to tell you, I started creating that space even before we moved, probably a year before we made this move, when we lived in a big, luxurious, spacious apartment in Brooklyn, I already had that mindset of living minimally and I had that vision. So I was getting rid of things. I was using rent the runway to rent clothes so that I don't have to buy a lot. And it's been, everything has been leading to this point and it feels amazing. I feel like once you create physically the space for being able to have the energetic space to listen to yourself and to the divine guidance, intuition, then it's there for you. What you just said is so true. And it, it, there's a whole world that got opened up for me. So the first thing was when we moved, one of my biggest concerns is, you know, somebody who is an artist was like, wow, where am I going to make my artwork? So the first thing that happened is because if I don't make artwork, then like all this energy that I've got that usually gets channeled into someplace and who knows where it's going to go. So I started making uh, wooden spoons and that was really valuable for me. But I've also been, I've started two businesses in the last year. One is an info product to help digital marketing agencies create sales processes and have amazing sales systems. And the second one was I, I saw people having so much success from that. So I started my brand new digital marketing agency with my partner to start taking advantage of all the uh, technologies that I created. So with both of those new businesses, I've kind of shifted my identity because without that space to make artwork, the, that space that I used to have in our old place, which at the time I was like, oh, this space isn't big enough. Without that space, and I, now that I have this new businesses, I've been pumping all of my time and energy, a lot of my creativity into this. It's been really valuable. It's been really interesting. You know, I've worked so hard and I've had that space and I'm thinking to myself, the fewer things that I have, the easier it is for me to, and the clearer my commitments are with my business and keeping the momentum going, the easier it's been for me to just say, yeah, let's just go. And then, so the first thing I've done is I'm just making sure that my like, computer setup is good. Like I got the iPad as a second monitor. I got one of those stands. Like I'm planning on going to Buenos Aires and I'm going to learn some more Spanish. I want to get business level proficient. and it's the thing is I want to not lose any momentum and steam with my business. So it's only one hour time difference, which is going to minimize the variables that could potentially take me out of the game. So I'm really excited about that. Like instead of working from home, I will have to commute to an office. It might even take 20 minutes, but it's totally worth it. And also there's a study, there's this book that was written, something about creativity. And I think it was all discredited because the guy was plagiarizing, but there was some <laughs> really good stuff in there that whether it was fake or not, it was absolutely transformative. I got to get the name of the book, put it in the show notes. But what he said was, and this is, I think this is a real statistic, is that the further you are geographically from where you typically dwell, the more access you have to creative thinking. And to me, like that should be really the backbone of nomadicity. Nomadicity, that's the word. I was actually just listening to Joe Dispenza. I'm on a big Joe Dispenza kick. I'm listening to the Becoming Supernatural book. And I just listened to Joe Dispenza Hay House podcast. It's a 30-minute podcast. It's super basic intro into his concepts and super inspiring. And what I learned from that as well is when we live in the same environment and we do the same things over and over because that's what human nature tends to do to fall into routines, we don't challenge ourselves to even be aware of who we become, what's working in our lives and what's not. And the thing he also says is that by by the time we are 35 years as human beings, we are basically just a set of routines and things we're used to. So I have two years, you're saying? You do. My God. So he's saying you can't teach it like a moderate age dog new tricks. He says that creating space in your life to be conscious, a conscious creator of your reality and to the way that I interpret it, to create experiences and situations where you get thrown into absolutely new environments. Mm, so then you have to flex your, because you can't rely on routines. And now you got to flex exactly. your muscles to create new structures that support your growth. You get to rediscover who you have become yes! and who you want to be. That's what happened in this cabin. So, you know, one of the things that I've kind of come out in, of the closet with is I really want to like have lots of money. I got clear that I'm okay with making whatever it is that I make money. 
but I'm what I'm really interested is just having a ton because if I'm doing what I love and I'm helping lots of people, well, and I could just have more by setting up some other structures and habits, like that's perfect because I really want to do is I want to buy us a bigger house. I love our tiny house, but guess what? I like a big house too. So I think like what I, the craziest shift has happened with the business, my business personally. So all of the people in my business at all my, you know, my partner, all of our employees and contractors, they all work remotely. There's not a single person that works in the same office as someone else. And I shifted the way that, first of all, I've become somebody who wants to employ people and want to empower people who are like working from home, nomadic abroad to have an opportunity to make great money living where they live, having flexible hours. That's like a revolutionary idea. And I saw in my business that I could be the source of other people having that opportunity, which blew my mind. And I got clear that my business is so much less about the money that I make. Like, Sorry, the money that I make in my business is not what like, I reinvest into my business. It's my time and my being with people that will grow the value of the business. And it blew my mind hiring people. Anyway, so you know, these are some big realizations that I've had. But there's more questions that are outside of this, right? <laughs> so what that all has been leading us up to is really, I want to look at us going nomadic from two different angles. One is what have we done? And this is what you've been talking about up to now in our businesses that has allowed us to be digital nomads, to be able to travel, experience new cultures, foods, rituals, experiences, and continue doing the work that we love while being absolutely independent and free. And the other side of that is what are we actually going to do? Where are we going to go? And how are we going to choose? You know, one of the questions here from Melody H57 is how will you decide where to go and how long to stay? So how about we talk a little bit about where we're going, how we're choosing this whole journey, and then we'll talk about some of the steps we've taken in our businesses that are allowing us to have this kind of freedom. And by the way, what we just talked about with a tiny cabin and buying this house instead of having a rent commitment is one of the steps for sure that has created that freedom for us. Mm -hmm. It is true. It's true. And just so you know, we're reading these questions. I haven't thought about them or I've never read them before, but I'm a professional off the cuff guy. And it might sound like she's read them before. She's probably looked at them. She's also a, a professional off the cuff gal. So the question again was, how will you decide where to go and how long to stay? Where to go? I'll have some ideas and then she'll make the final decision. Next. How long to stay? We have a couple of anchors, right? So one of the anchors is your friend's wedding celebration. An anchor that I have in New York area is my annual silent meditation retreat, my seven-day retreat. Another one that I have is my dad is letting us stay at his apartment for a couple of weeks. I want to be back for that at the end of February. Mine are that I traditionally go to Moscow, Russia, where I'm from, to spend some time with my family for the holidays. And then I have a wedding celebration in Kansas City in December and also another wedding in spring which you'll hear more about later. No, it's not ours. Don't worry. Okay. But when she said, where will you go and how long will you stay? So I think we're answering the How long will you stay question? The where will you go question is this. My entire life, I've always wanted to go certain places. I've always wanted to go to Buenos Aires because I had a psychiatrist when I was like 16 who's from there. And he was so European feeling. And I was like, Buenos Aires, where the hell is that? And actually, I heard it for the first time from that video game, Carmen San Diego. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? And I had no idea where it was. I found out it was in South America, which apparently is just south of North America. And I've just always wanted to go. And it's, it's 14 hours away from New York City. Wait, how old were you when you found out where Buenos Aires is? I don't know, five, six. Okay. I thought but, you were 16. No, no, no. Five, <laughs> yeah, but I, let's be honest. I didn't know where Europe was, really. I just, I didn't even, like, I understood the concept of Europe. But I didn't necessarily know where it was. Although when I was eight, I had been to London. It was a long flight. All right. So let's just back up for a when second. When I was eight, I went to London too. Oh, really? For my birthday. But it wasn't the same time because I wasn't eight when you were eight. But the, the idea of where do we want to go? So if I was going to go with like my top places, I've been dying to go to Japan. So here's what we did. 
We wait, came together. Hold on, wait. Why can't we talk about Japan? Hold on. We started dreaming up all the places we're going to go to. So you said Argentina. You said Japan. I said Australia. And on my list as well, really high up there is Portland, Oregon. I'm dying to go to Portland. Oh, yeah? I would, I'd like to go too, but it's kind of coldish there. It's like, you know, it's not really cold, but it's cold. Like, it's not like moving to someplace warm. So we compiled a list of those top destinations, and Eric said, let's go to Argentina first. It's warm there, and we'll just see what happens. And so what we did is we booked a five-week That's trip. a revisionist history, but continue. What does that mean? That means, like, looking back, that is how you're telling the story, but it didn't unfold that simply. Okay. I wanted to go to Argentina, and then you had a concern because you don't speak any Spanish. Correct. And I let you know that I thought it would be a good idea if you learned Spanish. And then at some point, she said, you know what? I could take Spanish lessons. So it's excellent that she really opened up her mind to the idea of learning a new language, which, by the way is if I were to say, like, in my life, the most influential things that I've done in terms of my thinking and creativity it has been learning other languages. So I know two other languages. I know Spanish and I know Hebrew. And I can tell you without a doubt that my knowledge of those two languages, and I grew up in a household where both of my parents spoke multiple languages and my grandmother spoke eight languages, like, that knowing multiple languages helps you understand people from around the world in a totally different way and helps you understand how language shapes how you view the world. All right. I just realized we've been recording on the raw mic the whole time. So we're switching to the pro mic now. So get ready for the ultimate Woken Wired experience. I'm glad you didn't start with that. So I was just talking about language and how learning different languages helps me learn more languages. Because this guy, this psychiatrist from Argentina, he was telling me that he has a passion for romance languages. I did not understand why the hell he would care. But now that I've gotten older and been to a lot of countries, and I'm like, damn, languages is like the access to really connecting with people. When you, you could, if you know a little bit about this language and that language, you could understand people without understanding the language. It's crazy. Interesting. So how did choosing the country unfold? Since I don't recollect it properly. Oh, properly. I mean, it's just happened the way we're trying to come up with something that's, you know, makes me sound good, but I can't come up with anything. So I think we came up with Argentina because I've never been to Argentina, neither of you. And it's in South America, which I've always wanted to explore more. The time difference is one hour later than New York, which allows us to, allows me to do business pretty much exactly as I would normally. And all those vegans out there, I hate to say this, but I, I heard the steak there was incredible. I says, am I allowed to say that? Says, she might cut this. No. I've always, some, everyone was always saying, oh, the, you know, the cow's there. Yeah, so I've, I've always wanted to go there because of that. And I heard there's a lot of Jews in Argentina. And I, was, I wanted to check out the Jewish community over there. And if you haven't seen the Netflix series, The Spy, it's absolutely incredible. And that was a glimpse into Buenos Aires for me. Yeah. Yeah, I heard. I heard. That's cool. I always, I have this really good joke about why we're going to Buenos Aires. I say, you know, we're just going because, you know, we're really trying to escape the, you know, our war crime charges. It's a World War II joke, babe. Okay. Now, someone asked a question. Did you go tiny house? Uh, I like that. Did you go tiny house to save for the round, the round the world trip? Very good question. Eat your way clean. That's a good, uh, that's a good handle. So I think we went tiny house because we wanted to move into nature. It all started like four years ago in the summer. I was at work and I was kind of bored at at this one company. And somehow I got obsessed with a shipping container home. And I had like no dough. That's money, by the way. No money at the time. And I told my dad, I said, dad, we were playing Frisbee in Central Park. I said, dad, I'm going to get myself a shipping container home in in nature in in, in the rural area. And my dad knows that when I want to do something, I always do it. I'm like a bulldog, he says. So he's like, all right, you know, I have no idea how you're going to do it. But, uh, you know, I believe that you you could do it. So when we got together, me and Ksush, I said, I, I really want us to have like a house or in nature. And she said, you know, that sounds great. But we actually made it happen. And But the goal was never to save money. That was a byproduct. The goal was to leave the city because I I knew that there was some element of life that I was missing out on by being only in the city. Just for background, I'm born and raised in Manhattan on the Upper West Side. And I went to college at NYU. 
and I went to high school on the Upper West Side, and I lived in different neighborhoods in New York City. Besides like a quick, you know, semester in Barcelona and, you know, a year in like Jerusalem, I've never lived outside of New York. That's crazy. Right? Says someone who has lived in Canberra, Moscow, San Francisco, Houston, L.A., New York City, and spent a lot of time in nature because my family growing up in Russia had country homes where my mom would garden and would go foraging for berries and mushrooms. So I'm no stranger to this, but I am a stranger to being the actual owner who is responsible for things running. Yes. So that's new. But anyway, I wanted to go back on track with where we're going and how we're planning. So just to complete that thought, we're going to Argentina for five weeks. Then we're going to the Midwest for a wedding commitment that we have. And from there on, we have nothing booked. It's completely open. And What about the meditation retreat I'm going to? Is it booked? I was in the middle of booking it last night. Okay. So uh, we have nothing booked. We have some ideas. Pause the podcast plans. so I can book it right now, please. No. <laughs> so there's ideas, but I also really want to be open. And, you know, I. it's very ironic because three years ago in 2016, I have already done this nomadic journey where I sold everything I had, I put some stuff in storage, and I went nomadic. I left New York exactly three years ago, and I drove across the U.S., I went to Brazil, I went to Russia, I went to Bali, and now we're doing it together. And one of the reasons I completed my nomadic journey early. I remember I even changed my Instagram handle to my nomadic year and people would recognize me in Bali and say, hey, are you my nomadic year? And it ended up being not a year, but my nomadic six months because I was just really missing community and I felt lonely. You know, even though I was doing all these fun things, going to cacao ceremonies at the yoga barn in Bali, going to incredible yoga classes and meditation classes with completely transcendental experiences, I missed a sense of home, which can come from being with someone and sharing that experience with someone. So in this case, we're going on this adventure together. And I'm very curious to see how that will be different from going on that trip alone. I have a pretty good idea how it could be different. I think I remember correctly, you told me, and I met you when you had come back for like, what, four months from your last nomadic journey? What do you mean four months? You came back in like, what, November, December, and I met no, you in March? No, I came back in March. Are you joking? No. Oh, I met you right away? Well, I came back with an intention to meet someone and be in a lined and expansive and loving, passionate relationship. And within weeks, I met you. Excellent. I'm a lucky guy. I remember you told me that when before you left for your quote-unquote nomadic year, a.k.a. six months, you gave away all the stuff that you had. Like you threw, you gave this away, you gave that away. And because I remember throughout our, our time together, you've mentioned like, oh yeah, I had one of those things, but I gave it away. I'm like, damn, I would have <laughs> loved to have like, you know, a Coco Jack. I think I, well, I had my Coco Jack, but you know, various different kitchen, mostly kitchen utensils and a chi machine. Anyway, made back up for it. But I think the difference is now is that we're not making such an extreme shift, frankly. Like we've made, a pretty extreme shift moving to the tiny cabin, but we're not getting rid of right. everything we have right we've now. we've already gotten rid of everything. Exactly. But even if we didn't get rid of everything we had, we're not getting rid of everything we had. Right. Because we still have this house where we can keep some things. Exactly. And I've, I've had this crazy new policy. Is First of all, I bought six to seven new shirts recently, but I've thrown out 12. So I've been replacing pretty much everything I have. And I have this kind of interesting clothing policy which is like, I want everything I wear to feel as comfortable as pajamas, but like be as technical and ready. So if I decide I want to climb Mount Everest, that I could pretty much wear that shirt or that pair of pants without, you know, being too uncomfortable. In that Can you do climb. yoga in your jeans? I don't do yoga in my jeans for a reason. Too sweaty. And I like my waistband a little bit loose. And I wouldn't want the person behind me to see my butt crack for their sake. Very, very nice of you. Thank you. Thank you. And, oh, you know what's really exciting about our trip is that we have X3. So one of the things that's really seemed to be missing for me since I moved out of my apartment in Astoria, Queens, how many years ago was this? Two years ago, two and a half years ago? No, two years and change. No, more than, no, it's been almost two years exactly. 
All right. When I moved out of that apartment, I had a gym that I went to. And I had all I had a dry cleaner. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I had a dry cleaner laundry place. That place was really important. I had a gym. I had different restaurants that I liked. And then we moved to Brooklyn. I never caught back up with the gym game. And then I got broke my neck and then I dislocated my shoulder. You remember that neck breaking Jeez. thing? I almost died. I do. Yeah. And since those things have happened, I've been uh, at- just a quick backstory. Eric was standing on a subway platform in New York City, and it was really hot, and he was dizzy and not hydrated properly, and he just uh, flew onto the tracks. I was squatting against the pole, listening to something and watching something on my phone, and then I stood up, and I fainted, because I have, I forget what that thing's called, but you know, I fainted, and then I actually fell into the tracks. It wasn't like I fainted and like fell over, and I was like, oh, great, you fell into the platform. Oh my God, that was scary. It was like, you fell into the tracks. I hit my neck, and thank God she came in and, and tried to get me out. And I, I came to, I realized immediately I was in the subway. I jumped out and someone helped her out of the tracks. And My white sneakers were ruined though. My face was so dirty. It looked like I'd come out of one of those chimneys. Jeez, yeah. Where we were going with this was one of the biggest things for me, I, my mental health. This is like being somebody who's like a digital, no, I guess we're a digital nomads because we we're a digital nomad couple. Because I can work from wherever I want, as long as I have my two monitors. I need two screens. <laughs> Why? I spent five, like probably 10 to 15 hours just researching like the best way for me to have two screens. Why? Because I'm always doing a screen share on the, on the phone with someone or doing video chat. And I have my Slack open. I've got my, I've got my, all oh, like my browser and I've got Zoom. So I just, I need my digital stuff right. But not even just that. I also need to have balance in my exercise. So exercise is a huge part of my mental health, right? It's physical health, but it's huge, huge. I've got so much energy huge. and I'm sure you could hear it in my voice right now. It's late at night and I'm quote unquote tired and this is what I sound like. So I have a lot of energy and I need to output it and I need to like input that into my body and feel really strong. And this thing is so good. If I could invest into a workout machine or into this company and buy a piece of it, I would. So this leads us to the question of how are we choosing what we're bringing with us? And when it comes to exercise, we are very much into movement for both our mental health, sanity, and just feeling strong and connected to our bodies. We have tried various things from doing yoga at home with Adrian on YouTube to going to yoga classes in local studios. And now we have this new little setup that is completely portable that we've been doing for five weeks and it has completely changed my life. Yep. Well, first of all, I just want to just say that we still go to yoga and we then we do yoga at home as well. But those yoga classes that we go to, they feel like a part of a program of being strong rather than something that we go to like as Not a, just being strong, but being sane and connected. Yeah, to me, I think I, when I think strong, I no longer just think like my muscle big. I think like I feel grounded. I feel like my mind is clear. I feel like I'm strong in whatever test and challenge is thrown at me in life. So that, wow, what a new context for strong, Scooch. I like it. Right. So there's the the stuff. There's the stuff element. So for, when it comes to clothing, someone probably, what are you going to bring with you? So here's my checklist. There's the first thing is like, I got to make sure my biz is set up right. So I got my headset. I've got, I'm going to make sure I set up a VPN so I'm not blocked from anything when I'm in Argentina. Uh, then I've got to make sure I've got all my charger stuff. I've got a stand for my laptop and I got this iPad literally solely for the purpose of using as a dual monitor once I download the new Catalina OS. Then I also needed to make sure that I have an office. So like bringing with me the things I would have in my office. Okay, office to the side. Next is I talked about my requirement for all clothing, which was pajama Mount Everest. And the other side of that is that I have to obviously love how it feels. And I got to love the way it looks. But for me, there's only one fabric that comes to mind. Merino wool, baby. It is incredible. It's got this merino wool, baby. It's got this special characteristic of being cool and breezy when you're hot and nice and warm when you're cold. And it's it's like the perfect fabric. I have eight shirts that are merino wool, like totally obsessed with merino wool. And I have 
I've tried so many of those like fancy jeans. So many. She knows. I order so many things to figure out what's best. And I love like social media ads. Just to be honest, like I love when people hit me up on the ads because I actually feel like because Facebook has all my data and knows my underwear size and everything <laughs> that when I get an ad, like it's relevant. And so they hit me up one of these ads and the ads are like companies that are always trying to solve a problem. Like, are you having a problem with big thighs and large calves, but you want stretchy jeans, but your waist may be slightly variant and you're middle, you know, like, but your weight, you know, I'm like, uh, yes, that's exactly my problem. How did you know? And there's like three companies that, you know, messaging me, hitting me up, whatever, not messaging me, you know what I'm talking about. And I get them, and I and I found one company that I love for the jeans, so I'm just sticking with them. So and for the, all the guys out there listening, what's the company? Muggsy, Muggsy Jeans. Okay, and what's the brand of the workout? Guys, I'm also going to link to all of this in the show notes on WokeOnWire.com. For a lot of these things, for some of these things, I also have discounts because I'm actually either friends with brands or I work with them or I want to support them. So for X3 is the workout that we're talking oh about. Oh my God, I love it. I've been posting about it religiously on Breakfast Criminal Stories because it is a part of our morning routine now. It's only 10 minute workout and I feel stronger, fitter, and my body feels more tight than it has ever been just from 10 minutes a day. I know it sounds like infomercial. It's because it actually works and it is crazy. It is crazy. And I only imagine that if I didn't eat ice cream and cookies, how much like stronger and thinner I would be from it. And I'm, it's happening anyway. So we talked about uh, exercise, we talked about clothing. For me, I'm like, bring four shirts, bring two pairs of pants, bring socks, bring underwear, and I'm pretty set. Okay. Now move on to me. <laughs> I am a fan of renting clothes. And if you're international, I don't think you can do rent the runway. So I'm going to have to figure out which clothes are my go-tos and just do with that. So I'm going to be bringing some stretchy jeans, some crop jeans. I just found an amazing pair of crop black skinny jeans at Nordstrom Rack. I'm going to bring a backpack so that I can carry my computer around and my yoga clothes and have that with me all the time. We use Nomatic. That's the brand, right? Yeah, Nomad. Yeah. But Nordstrom's Rack's incredible. I just want to do one plug. Tommy John Underwear, how, apparently Howard Stern promotes this, found out a couple years ago, is incredible. It's so good. It's not technical, but it's my favorite comfortable underwear. It's not merino wool. I love merino wool underwear. I'm just saying Tommy John is the best everyday underwear that you can get two for $25 there. <laughs> Stop it. Hold on. It costs 35 for one pair if you try to get it from them. So Nordstrom's Rack, okay, thank you. Good to know. So for me, what else is important is yoga pants lounge pants, some bathing suits, some cozy t-shirts, my Arc'teryx jacket that is for colder weather, and my tech. I'm going to bring my mic to keep recording podcasts. And I brought this really, really sexy sling that also can be like a waste bag where I can put my Canon G7 Mark II that I use for my vlogging camera, as well as my Sony Alpha 7 something 3 with an additional lens. And I'm going to bring my CBD oils. Supplements is a big one for me. I'm going to have to really get smart about it. I'm going to bring some supplements for immunity. I'm going to bring CBD oil because that's my absolute go-to for any period-related pains or any achiness in the muscles and some favorite essential oils and just a couple of favorite crystals as well as some Asha Patel necklaces that if you ever see me wearing necklaces, it's probably Asha Patel crystal necklaces. I have a whole handful of them, and I get to choose them. And she definitely gets them tangled up in a handful sometimes. Not anymore. Oh, really? Oh, because yeah. I, I put that hanging thing up for you. That's right. So I have rose quartz ones. I have labradorites. You've done a great job with that. I just want to say. And by the way, this Rune woman, she, I've tried to make her and get her jewelry, like our entire relationship, because I make jewelry. But she just loves this. She only wears this one freaking brand. And they're nice, though. They are. Are you going to bring any crystals? It's a great question. I thought a lot about this. And I have a couple necklaces, well, a couple pendants that go on a silver chain that I wear once in a while. I think I'm going to bring my meteorite silver one that I made that I wrapped. I, I'm going to bring a mala that I made. And as far as crystals, I think I'm going to go with one amethyst from, I can't remember. How is that possible that I remember the name? Brandberg Amethyst. And I'm going to bring, I think I want to bring my obsidian sphere. And, and gouache, because we're obsessed with gouaching our yeah, faces. Yeah, I definitely will do that. 
And I'm going to bring my feather, crystal feather fan without question. Really? Of course I'm going to bring it. What, how am I supposed to clear? All right. So we want to do, I want to do a whole separate episode on crystals and how to use them and how we both got into them. Fun fact, we have an online course on using crystals intuitively and finding your own way to communicate with them and bring in the bring them into your daily rituals. So if you want to check that out, I'm going to link that in the show notes. But that's a separate episode. What I want to get into a little bit more now is how are we choosing what snacks we're bringing? I think I'm actually going to make oh my that God, this is exciting. a separate blog post on breakfastcriminals.com because we've been getting a lot of things, testing a lot of things, finding new nutritious, dense, filling, healthy, clean snacks for our on-the-go life. Snacks. I want to say that I've got, I've gotten, the, my big issue with snacks is that they come in packaging. I, am I like a huge like waste guy? No, I'm conscious of it for sure. And I just hate the idea that when I buy snacks, like so much waste is happening because of those snacks. It does kind of bug me out. Speaking of bugging you out, by the way, if you guys are hearing like a weird scratchy sound, there's a squirrel or a mouse or something like that in our walls. And this is the sound that goes on all night. That's why I wear really good earplugs. And earplugs and eye mask is definitely something I'm bringing with me. I don't wear earplugs because nothing will wake me up. And I don't wear an eye mask because it always falls off. <laughs> Although I would wear it like to sleep. And then while I'm sleeping, it will fall off. So uh, obviously, you know, everyone was wondering that, waiting with bated breath the entire podcast to, so to figure out my night my night routine. Snacks. Snacks. Okay. So that being said, but I'm not a big fan of waste. I don't like the idea of it, but I I found like these squeezy fat snacks. So I like, I had F-bomb. I like that. Oh my God. Their macadamia pecan squeezy but nut butter is delicious. Then there's the other one, super fat. I like that protein one. And then there's the other one. I forgot the name of it. Are you salivating? I am a little bit. There's another one. Oh, man. You're going to put it in the show notes. It's like a, uh, it tastes like a Nutella, but it's almost no sugar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one's really good. It was incredible. So I had those three and I'm looking for more. So if anybody knows about, you know, things like that, I'm all in. I like them for one reason. If I eat one of those things and I don't eat from 10 p.m., whatever, 8 p.m. until like 10 a.m. the next day, and then I have one of those nut butters. I feel pretty good if I have a coffee with that. And then we eat it around one o'clock because she comes in. She's like, you need to eat. We need to eat. I'm hungry. And thank God. So I like that as a snack. And I think that might be the only snack I'm bringing. I don't, I no longer like snack bars. There's too much sugar in them. You know, I used to always travel with a huge bag of superfoods and powders and snacks. But now I'm really much more into trusting that wherever we go, there's going to be the nourishment we need. So I'm not going to bring that many things, only, you know, things that we have left that I actually want to finish. But I've been heavily into nutrition bar research lately because my blog post on breakfastcriminals.com about nutrition bars has close to 700 or 800,000 views, which is insane. 660,000. So I am more than that. So I am updating it and I've been trying all these new bars. And the ones that I really like right now that I'll, that I'll be bringing with me is the Beam CBD bars. So it's this brand, brand called Beam. Great, great branding. Their packaging looks excellent. It's very chewy and delicious and there's CBD in it. And another one is Keon. They both are vegan bars and not too high on sugar and super clean ingredients. So I like those. I'll be bringing those and also bringing some collagen. I love my collagen. I love vegan bars for one basic reason is that if it's not vegan, it's typically got whey protein in it or dairy. And I just cannot have that. So I know that when I get a vegan bar that I'm not going to have any uh, dairy or anything like Mm. that. So I'm going to link to those two bars in the show notes. And then out of Foods, really, I mean, I'm sure there's a couple more things, but things that I am going to bring with me is some coffee alternatives. And my favorites are rasa and jnantik, which is a Mayan seed, and cacao, because I can't live without cacao. So I'm definitely bringing that with me. And I'm actually considering leading some cacao circles while we travel. And the last thing is I've been trying out this Organifi green juice powder first thing in the morning. And I really like how it tastes and it gets all your greens in for the day. Why haven't I been trying it more? I don't know. Because I got it while you were away and then I just never got you on it. 
but I, I like really that lion's mane powder. Oof. That one's good. Yeah, yes. let's bring that. So Organifi also has this lion's mane powder with baobab, sweetened with a little bit of monk fruit, and it just makes water taste so delicious. And it has all these adaptogens and super herbs that actually boost your brain and make you feel more clear. And it allows you to drink more water because it t- makes it taste so good. So for airplane nourishment and hydration, that's going to be my go-to. And I know for you, it's going to be... Wait, hold on, mate. Let me be clear. I like this thing. I mentioned it, but it does not replace water. It doesn't give me the same water experience. Just And I drink it. Okay. When it comes to me and I'm on an airplane... I get so thirsty. It's crazy. I don't know why. Well, I know why, because the air is so dry. But, and then sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm on an airplane. It feels like I'm traveling in another dimension. When I'm on an airplane, I just wake up from one of those naps. You know what I mean? Like, like an accidental nap. I always get liquid IV and I put it in my drink. I always like feel bad when I put the whole thing in because it is pretty darn sweet. But, after I drink that, I feel like I'm reanimated like that 60s Batman movie. And it does make me happy. So I definitely don't have any problem having that higher sugar content when I'm on a flight. By the way, I'm not somebody that like, watches my sugar very intensely. I just try to choose very carefully when I have an incredibly large amount of sugar. So that's the biggest travel biohack, really, to stay hydrated. And then we also have these compression socks that we usually wear on, on long flights. Always wear them. And get up often enough. And my acupuncture doctor, who has actually been on this podcast page, she has shared this exercise with me where you stand up on the airplane and you swing your leg as high up forward and as high up backwards as you can. And it helps the lymphatic flow to be renewed. And we've only gotten kicked off of two flights from that. <laughs> Now, we were talking about food. So I, I'm, okay, so before I met Xenia, I was like, I get food that is around me. That, that was caveman talk. I would just literally eat anything that was around me. I'm like, my weight and health is the average of the five restaurants that I like most in my area. Now, that's not to say that I did not eat healthy before I met her. It just went to show that like convenience was a higher priority for me. Uh, than eating healthfully. And she also introduced me to heating up food, which apparently you could eat food hot as well. Because I just like wanted to get the eating process complete. So I didn't always heat things up. But I'm, I'm very confident that we are going to go to Buenos Aires and get some good stuff. What she didn't, by the way, I know she was trying to talk, but I'm just cutting it off. We are going to have a lot of mate there. We're going to have a lot of mate. My and- friend Eric Friedman introduced me to mate and I'm obsessed. I'm very excited to experience that ritual. Rituals have actually become a lot more important for me once I became like an entrepreneur. All it really just takes is, you know, quitting your job. Of course, that's one, your day job. That's one thing. But also like, you know, realizing and identifying that you have a skill that is monetizable and then having, you know, enrolling somebody into paying you for that skill. The moment you do that, you become an entrepreneur. That's like saying like, how do I become an artist? People always ask me, Eric, you're an artist. I'm not. I'm like, okay, well, you know what makes me an artist is that I make art. And so you can become an artist too if you make artwork. It's like all it. It's like, am I a chef? I don't know. Do you make food? It's not the right analogy, but come on, you get the picture. So when it comes to how we, I got to the position where I could potentially do this, it, it got that way because I realized that I could figure out a way to channel my talents and what I'm passionate about. What are your talents? What are you passionate about? Well, I would say I'm pretty Gemini, so I have a lot of passions and a lot of talents. But what guides everything is my my passion for expressing myself. So it's there's a lot of cycles. Sometimes I'll go months with just you know making paintings, and sometimes I'll just or be crystals. obsessed with crystals or playing banjo or the guitar. But right now, my passion is really helping entrepreneurs. I didn't realize it until I got deep into my course helping people. I was noticing that, you know, people were making a lot of money by taking my advice, which I didn't make up. It's just the path and the process that I've been doing for years. And I learned working at my day job. So day jobs are good. But I found that helping those people has like gotten me to go way deeper into what I'm doing and really like, you know, what's the, you know, when like you're, Oh, go from being a coach to being back to being a player and being a coach, like a player coach at the same time in sales and digital marketing. It's been huge. Anyway, so I've also just like, we're not, I'm not stopping working to be clear. Like I'm going to Argentina 
I got everything ready to go and rock and roll. And I'm going to work during the regular business hours. And nothing is like I personally, I don't just work. I can't just work from 6 p.m. to 12 p.m., 12 a.m. Just to be clear, some people have a job like that or have something that they do. I talk to people during business hours. And that's great because I like to be up during business hours. So for me, I'm just setting it up like that. But for you, Ksush, you have a lot more flexibility. Well, I've been really reevaluating my business and all the different income streams that I have. And if two years ago, you know, 90% of my income probably was coming from brand partnerships with Breakfast Criminals, in the past couple of years, that has been shifting because I've been doing more public speaking and actually starting to get paid for that. I now have the Conscious Social Media Program, which is an eight-week online course where you get to reevaluate your relationship with social media and completely recreate your self-expression in the online world as an entrepreneur, as a creator, as a healer. And I've ran this program twice. And not only it's been absolutely a life-changing experience for me in stepping into the work that I'm meant to deliver in the world, but it's also been really effective for those who have been taking it. So I am in the process of seeing how can I continue offering and creating online tools, whether that's live coaching or downloads or workbooks or audio materials, visualizations, meditations that support my listeners, my community, my clients in feeling like anything is possible and that you can create your own script of your own life and recreate it as you wish every single day using social media as a manifestation tool. And then another stream of income that I am building up now is affiliate. I want to start creating more content that is not dependent on me working exclusively with one brand, but actually just doing non-biased reviews of several products within certain categories you know anything from green juice powders to at-home workouts to nut butters bars nut butters whatever it is and providing honest reviews and rating those things and then anytime anyone buys those things making an affiliate income and because i have seo skills and because i'm obsessed with seo by the way that's what my business is seo baby I can really take breakfast criminals to a new level by continuing to build that SEO and creating that content while serving my audience and answering questions that I get literally every day in breakfast criminals DM inbox. Did I say SEO baby? Like, let me just take that back. First of all, I'm pro interrupting you for a second because I don't think I could acknowledge you and tell you how great you are enough that course, your social media consciousness course, the, if you've ever just literally just go to iTunes, what is it? A podcast on iTunes. Is that what it is? But go to the podcast app, go to your podcast, the Woken Wired podcast and read the reviews. They're so amazing. It looks like they're fake. (laughs) You know, like you could leave a review. It's like, my life has changed. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, like all the reviews are like that. This woman is unbelievable, incredible. This po- first of all, just like this podcast is amazing. This is what like the seventy eighth episode, and you're on it. What I'm honored. What what's the episode? Seventy four every week. Can you, Mister Mrs. Podcast listener out there, like think of something that you put hours and hours into a week for seventy four straight weeks? Like I'm clapping right now. If it wouldn't ruin the microphone sound. Thank you. Your support has meant a lot in putting out that course and really having the confidence to show up as a leader, as a coach, as someone who is committed to empowering people to have things that I know I've used in my life that have completely changed it and given me this opportunity to share about things I love as I travel the world and keep expanding. And to me, travel really is about not just finding those new environments, but also experiencing having spiritual experiences. I mean, anything can be spiritual, that word. I don't want to box it. But to me, I remember very clearly when I went on my first yoga retreat when I was, I think, 22. I went to Thailand and I experienced what it's like to travel while doing spiritual, personal development inner work. And I remember I was reading The Alchemist for the first time at the time. That's when I knew there was there would not be turning back. Any trip I would take from there on 
would have to have a component as to pace for me to dive deep into that personal growth as a human and as a soul in a meat suit. <laughs> meat suit. When you said the alchemist, I was thinking when I read it for the first time, I was uh, 15. I just And uh, this girl I really liked was like, you should read this book. So obviously I read it. And I was like, wow, this book's incredible. You know, it, I mean, I read like every Paolo Coelho book after that. I love reading every, like I like an author, I read all of their books. All right, so when I look, I want to answer another question here. So does this scare you? Do you ever second guess this decision to travel? And I would say definitely don't second guess and it doesn't scare me. That's such a lame answer, isn't it? But the way I look at it is just be really impulsive and make sure you've got all the things that you need. Like if I have, you know, my the right technology and I've got my clothes, I just don't think there's anything else. That, and obviously, Mike Sush is happy. I don't think there's anything else that we need. I mean, we live in such a small freaking house anyway. Like, really, like we've already given up so many things that we thought we already needed. So this doesn't really seem like such a big jump, right? Honestly, the only thing I think I'll miss is my Vitamix and my whole kitchen setup, which is our air fryer, all our spices. But you know what? We're going to make it work. And if I were to put into one word how I feel about this upcoming experience, it makes me feel alive. And I really think that anyone can do this. And for so many people out there working full-time jobs or maybe working for yourself, it might seem like an impossible scenario to do what we're doing. But I'm here to tell you that that's not true. If you really set your mind on it, then absolutely anything is possible. And I am excited to continue sharing glimpses into this adventure that we're taking on with you. And you can follow along on all the accounts at Xenia.Avdilova at Breakfast Criminals. We'll be sharing different aspects of our journey. And I am here to remind you that the digital world and the internet, when you truly approach it with an open mind and you remember that it is actually there to give you unlimited possibilities of self-expression, making money, connecting with people, and making impact, then yes, you can design the life you want and more. Oh, yes, 100%. And here's the thing you don't know about Xenia, or maybe you do. The secret to why she's so amazing is every single day, she does what she loves, even when she doesn't feel like she loves it that day, <laughs> which is produce content. It is unbelievable. The difference between... You and Ksenia, if you're looking to like make the jump to being like just a monster and impacting people with your life and your you have a voice, is she doesn't stop doing this. It's like everyone says it. I've seen so many things come and go. So many people with no offense, I think you know better ideas or better this. There's just no nobody ever compares to you because you first of all your content's ridiculously good it's hilarious but you just don't stop and that's the difference between somebody who's a white belt and a black belt the black belt does not stop and if there's one thing i've learned from you it's your absolute persistence in this one thing i've seen you change so many things in our two and a half years almost three years of being together but this is something that has stayed consistent like nobody's business. So you should really just acknowledge yourself for that, Ksush. Thanks. I st just started a new Instagram account. I haven't posted anything yet, but the handle is Naked Forest Bathing. <laughs> this, is, this woman is the king of new Instagram accounts. But what's actually amazing, and I'm just going to keep on patting you on the back lovingly, is that she just start a new account, like what, every how many months? But she'll have like four accounts going at one time. And she doesn't, she like actually posts consistently, not just on one account, but on many accounts. It's, it's crazy. It's like unfathomable. I get so many questions about how I balance out creating content on multiple accounts and platforms. And honestly, the answer is simple. And I want to do a separate episode on that. But the quick answer is I see it not as separate entities that require attention, but as a mosaic, as a universe where each piece is a home to different aspects of the same message. And how holographic. Yeah, 5D. So how do I make it work? I just make sure that I put my intuition and my practices that connect me to my own internal compass and intuition first. And that guides me to everything else. I don't have a strategy. 
I mean, I probably have a basic strategy that I'm not even conscious of, but really it all comes from intuition and being so aligned that you know exactly what to do. And because I've been doing this for a long time, I already have built in like software tools inside of me that show me how to express those intuitive heads in the digital realm. And that it, that is exactly what I teach in the conscious social media program. Ooh, oh my God. What she, I think what you're saying is like you've developed habits and through those habits, you developed a way of more clearly, crisply and powerfully expressing what it is you want to express. What you just made me think of, Ksush, was the intuition. So like, Eric, you sell digital marketing and you have a digital marketing agency and you teach people how to do it. And one thing I saw the other day is I'm there's a person who purchased digital marketing from us and it sounded like they really wanted to do it. And they did when the deal was over and they paid and signed the agreement. I felt this weird feeling in my gut. And I was like, you know, there's something that doesn't feel right here. And I knew it didn't feel right. I don't know what it was. Not like I did something wrong. Like that I felt that this person had something that they were not sure about. And I was trying to ignore it. And then the next day he sent me an email and he said, hold this off until next week. You know, they had some sort of like questions or I need three days to think about, you know, like, and I said, I could cancel the contract. I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, there's no contract. This guy doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to do it. I give him his money back. Like there's no lock in month to month, but it was just so interesting that that was there. And I wonder what would have happened if I would have called him up and said, you know what? I almost got the feeling that you weren't 100% sure that you're ready to do this. And I know you want to do it. And there was no, I wouldn't have let him buy unless he wanted to. But I almost, if I would have asked him that, I bet he would have probably been like, oh, you know what? I guess, no, I am ready. But I didn't do it. And now we're going to talk again next week. And I, you know, I called him up and he feels good and everything like that. But I wonder what would have happened if I would have listened to that intuition. So if there's one message out of all of this, it's listen to your intuition and follow your adventurous heart and go with the flow and trust that if you're called to do something, then it's the universe tapping you on your shoulder and telling you, hey, it's time to grow. And I never get that feeling. I never, it's, it was like a once in a, I've never, I've never felt it really. All right. So I'm so honored to have been in this podcast with you, Ksush. You know, while I'm in here, I can hear the the level of the language that you have to express what you do is so high level. Like it is so, it's like what it's almost ten o'clock at night, but but it is so precise. That's it. You have precise language to talk about what you're expressing here, and I could really hear that if you're you're listening to this podcast that you really value that, and I value it a lot. Thanks. That was a kiss. As long as we're on this podcast, hey everyone, this is Eric Brief. No, I'm going to open it. No, well, this is me opening it right now. As long as we're on this podcast, let's talk about the things that are some of the biggest areas of opportunity as individuals. So I'll open by saying probably my biggest area of opportunity is cleaning things up and not just cleaning things up, but not getting things messy in the first place. And those things seem to go hand in hand, which is so crazy, right? It makes no sense. And then Sue, has a couple of problems that I'll speak for her. First, she doesn't close the cap on things, which means that- like what? Oh my God, oat milk. So how many times I have shaken up oat milk in the morning and gotten it all over myself? Sauerkrauts, any, I mean, just you name it. She doesn't close the cap on it. Anything with a, with a cap too close is typically- quarter closed. Now, the second thing is that she doesn't keep her laptop charged. (laughs) So it's always running out of battery. And it's like, oh, no, my laptop's out of battery. I'm like, oh, what a surprise. And then she always thinks that she doesn't need a charging block. She's like, oh, I wish I had that charging block. I'm like, oh, you want me to buy your charging block? She's like, no, no, I I don't need it. I think I had a dream that you got me one. All right, so how does this apply to this episode? I don't know. How does it apply? I mean, this is actually, ironically, you know, all this side talk, actually, this really does apply because if you're going to be nomadic and you're going to travel and you're going to go away for a long time, one of the most important things to have is juice in your electronics. Think about it. You're on a plane and your outlet doesn't work on your seat. What's your backup plan? 
my laptop is USB-C and I have a USB-C charging block that will give me a full laptop charge. That's my backup. I'm, I know I'm going to be good because of that. For me, I love researching things and I love trying to figure out what the best one is. But as I've gotten a little bit older, I start realizing that there's no capital B best one, but there is the best thing for me. And you know, I got to evaluate my needs. And recently I thought of the best thing. I thought of a best accessories case for our electronics. So I've got a charger. I've got a dongle. I've got, I just got an Apple watch. I'm one of those guys now. And I've noticed that I'm always wanting to charge things. So I got, well, whatever, let's, you know, let's just pause this. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.